Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Aminder. I'm Alex, your host for today's episode. In this episode, we'll be covering papers published in October 2021 that use positron emission tomography imaging, or PET, to detect amyloid and tau pathology in the brain within the context of Alzheimer's disease research. Stay tuned for more about the latest in tau and amyloid-based detection, alternative PET tracers in AD, and combining PET with other imaging modalities. Nearly one million older Canadians live with a form of dementia. This number is expected to double within 10 years, and sadly no solutions exist yet to dramatically reduce these numbers. It has to stop. Research can help solve this problem. We are 350 researchers fully dedicated towards preventing and finding a cure to dementia, and to improve care to those living with dementia. We are the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration in Aging. The solution to dementia could be closer than you think. All right, we have a short episode today with only seven papers to cover. The first three look at amyloid-based detection in the brain. The next two study tau-based detection. Then we have one paper covering amyloid and tau. And our final and seventh paper falls under the miscellaneous category. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. At Aminder, we simply summarize paper abstracts and don't check the quality of the research being done or critically assess the methods being used. So be sure to take a look at the original papers if you want to learn more. Also, we now have a bibliography that you can find in the episode notes, listing all of the papers mentioned today and papers on topics that didn't make it into any of our other episodes. Aminder requires funding for equipment, a subscription to a podcast hosting platform, and more. We thank the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration and Aging for their financial support. You will hear more about them and what they do throughout our episodes, and we'll make a note on the research they funded. This funding does not affect the content we curate, how we select papers, or whether we endorse the papers we mention here today. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's begin with the first three papers specifically targeting amyloid pathology with PET. Let's take a look at the first paper in this group by first author Levin, last author Growth, titled In Vivo Staging of Regional Amyloid Progression in Healthy Middle Age to Older People at Risk of Alzheimer's Disease. This paper is published in the Alzheimer's Research and Therapy Journal and comes to us from Germany, the U.S., and Spain. The goal of the current paper was to study regional amyloid staging characteristics in people at risk of developing AD using the PET tracer 11C-PIB. Subjects included middle-aged to older individuals who had enrolled in the Wisconsin Registry for Alzheimer's Prevention. By analyzing partial volume effect corrected PET data from over 200 subjects, they established regional amyloid positivity and four positivity stages to classify subjects' amyloid load. As a quick reminder, partial volume effect correction is a technique used to correct for limited resolution typically seen in PET imaging. The authors assessed progression over time and any onset of new amyloid positivity in subjects who were amyloid negative at baseline using longitudinal PET data. As well, they studied the effect of amyloid stage on cognition over time. They found progressive amyloid accumulation in certain brain regions, including association cortices and primary cortices, with gradual involvement of more subcortical regions. 
They also found faster cognitive decline in subjects classified within more advanced amyloid stages, so stages 2 to 4, compared to stage 0. The authors conclude that the 11CPIB PET staging model they tested here showed findings in line with other generally accepted models and suggest that this tracer could be useful in the future for those in preclinical stages of disease. Now, the second paper we're covering today is titled Feasibility Evaluation of PET Scan Time Reduction for Diagnosing Amyloid Beta Levels in Alzheimer's Disease Patients Using a Deep Learning-Based Denoising Algorithm. This work is published in Computers in Biology and Medicine, and it's written by first author Peng, last author Zhu, from China. As you may have gathered from the title, the authors of this current work wanted to see whether they could shorten amyloid PET scan durations using a new deep learning-based denoising algorithm. This algorithm, called the Monte Carlo Denoising Network 2, is based on some of their previous denoising work. Using this algorithm, they aim to predict PET images of so-called normal scan time, so around 20 minutes, from shorter scan images, which ranged from 1 minute to 10 minutes long. Using various analyses that I won't get into the details of here, they assessed the quality of the predicted PET images, compared the data to other denoising methods, and also had two radiologists evaluate the resulting images. The authors suggest that their algorithm resulted in good denoising for 5-minute PET images in particular, and they also suggest that it performed at the same level as certain other denoising methods in comparison, and it also performed best in the subjective radiologist assessment. Finally, their algorithm showed an 100% classification accuracy for amyloid beta. The authors conclude that their algorithm was able to effectively reduce the PET scan duration from 20 to 5 minutes without compromising image quality. Up next is our third paper of this episode, which is published in the Molecular Imaging and Biology Journal. The first author is de Sousa, last author Marquez de Silva, from Brazil. The title is Amyloid Beta PET Classification on Cognitive Aging Stages Using the Centeloid Scale. The centeloid scale, or CL, is an 100-point scale commonly used to standardize quantitative PET imaging data. As the title suggests, the authors aim to use the CL method in amyloid PET data to study different cognitive aging stages, as well as use different data cut points for A-beta positivity to look into subjects' mismatch classification. From my understanding, a cut point can be thought of as a threshold value within continuous data that classifies subjects as either having a certain disease or being disease-free. So in this case, the authors wanted to see what discrepancies, if any, there were between CL data and the predetermined classifications. Subjects were first classified into four categories. There was the so-called superagers, or SA, healthy age match controls, or AC, healthy middle age controls, MC, and AD subjects. They found that SA individuals had similar A-beta load to those in the AC and MC groups, but that they differed in terms of cognitive performance. Interestingly enough, they also found that 40-60% to 60 of subjects in the AC group, which were the healthy controls, were classified as A-beta positive using different CL scale cut points. The authors argue this points to a classification mismatch in the clinical setting that warrants further investigation. All right. Now on to the next section within this episode, which is tau-based detection in AD. There's only two papers in this category, the first coming to us from the journal Diagnostics Basel. The title is Longitudinal Assessment of Tau-Associated Pathology by 18F-THK5351 PET Imaging 
a histological, biochemical, and behavioral study. The first author is Marina Gonzalez, last author Schultz, from the U.S. and Spain. Neurofibrillary tangles, or NFTs, are molecules composed of hyperphosphorylated tau that accumulate in many different neurodegenerative disorders, including AD. Other such tauopathies include frontotemporal dementia and corticobasal degeneration. In this study, researchers wanted to test whether the tau pet tracer 18F THK5351, which I'll simply refer to as THK, could detect early-stage alterations in tau levels and links to other pathological characteristics. They used a transgenic tau mouse model to test this and found elevated tracer binding over time starting at 8 months of age, as well as positive associations with other pathology, including histological, biochemical, and cognitive data. The author suggests that THK shows promise as a tau pet tracer in early detection and potential diagnosis of various tauopathies, and they suggest further research on this tracer. The second paper in this category is written by first author Das, last author Wolk, from the U.S. and France. This work is published in the Annals of Neurology, and the title is Tau Atrophy Variability Reveals Phototypic Heterogeneity in Alzheimer's Disease. The authors begin by stating that the relationship between tau neurofibrillary tangles and downstream neurodegeneration is variable across different brain regions. To look into this variability, they set out to test whether region-based quantitation of variability can reveal any underlying factors, such as polypathology. Polypathology refers to multiple diagnoses in one individual. To do this, they used cortical thickness as a proxy for neurodegeneration and 18 flirtausapir data as a proxy for neurofibrillary tangle load. They studied their presence and relationship in over 100 gray matter regions of cognitively impaired amyloid-positive subjects. They calculated mismatches between cortical thickness and PET tracer uptake using a linear fit model, and based on this, they sorted subjects into data-driven subgroups. They found several underlying factors that correlated with the computed mismatch data, including age and white matter hyperintensity burden. They also found that the respective subject subgroups had distinct spatial patterns of atrophy within the brain. Taking these data together, the author suggests that mismatches between tau burden and neurodegeneration are associated with variability due to several different underlying factors, and they suggest that this information could be used for cohort selection in future clinical trials. All right, next up is a paper combining tau and amyloid-based detection in AD. This paper is titled Alzheimer's Disease Profiled by Fluid and Imaging Markers, Tau Pet Best Predicts Cognitive Decline. The first author is Bucci, last author Nordberg, from Sweden. And this work is published in Molecular Psychiatry. Here, researchers stress the importance of having disease biomarkers capable of predicting longitudinal changes in disease progression and resulting clinical symptoms that impact quality of life. They wanted to test and compare two types of biomarkers in particular, cerebral spinal fluid, or CSF, biomarkers and imaging biomarkers. They studied quite a few different biomarkers, including fluorbetaben and fluorbetapir, two A-beta imaging markers we've come across before, as well as phosphorylated tau and total tau, which are both uh, CSF biomarkers. From a pool of over 200 subjects from the ADNI database who underwent PET-MR imaging as well as CSF sampling, they grouped individuals according to clinical diagnosis. These groups were mild cognitive impairment, or MCI, AD, subjective memory concern, or cognitively normal. 
Using various statistical analyses, they looked at the agreement between their chosen biomarkers and the ATN classification system, which is a well-accepted classification method that rates individuals according to the presence of A-beta, hyperphosphorylated tau, and neurodegeneration. I won't go into all of the details of their findings here, but in general, they found moderate agreement between CSF and PET for amyloid classification using the ATN system, and less agreement for tau and neurodegeneration. Also, the authors suggest that, of all the biomarkers studied, PET-tau positivity was the best at predicting cognitive decline in AD subjects. Okay, so we're almost done this episode with only one more paper to go. This one falls within the miscellaneous category. The title is First in Human Brain Pet Imaging of the Glu-N2B-Containing N-Methyl-D-Aspartate Receptor with R11C-ME-NB1. The first author is Richka, last author Amitemi, from Austria and Sweden. This work is published in the Journal of Nuclear Medicine. So this final paper looks at the GLU-N2B subunit containing N-methyl-D-aspartate receptor, or NMDAR, and its role in neurodegeneration, including AD. Based on recent evidence that the novel PET radioligand R11C-MENB1 was able to effectively target and image GLU-N2B subunits, here, researchers tested this radioligand in humans. Using hybrid PET-MR scanning on six healthy controls, they looked at brain uptake and tracer distribution values over time. I won't get into the specifics here, but they mentioned finding evidence of high tracer uptake throughout gray matter, and suggest that this radioligand was able to effectively map GLUN2B and MDARs in the human brain. They conclude that this novel radioligand shows promise in helping deepen our understanding of this receptor's involvement in AD pathophysiology. And I know that was short, but that's all for today's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, you can check out the numbered bibliography in the show notes to find any of today's papers. If the link isn't showing up in your podcast app, you can always find the show notes at www.aminder.com. We cover a wide array of topics all related to Alzheimer's disease in our episodes, released every Monday to Friday for each monthly series. If you like this episode's topics, you might be interested in our episode on metabolic changes, hemodynamics, and EEG, hosted by Judy. Also, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or any other podcast app. Hearing your feedback really means a lot, and every review counts. Are you interested in getting involved with our podcast? Send us an email at aminderpodcast at gmail.com with your CV and your interests, and we'll get back to you soon. You can also find us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I want to thank the sorting team for dividing all the papers from this month into themes, uh, Nyla for reviewing my script, Anusha for reviewing the edited episode, and Jana for making the bibliography, and Sarah for making the word cloud. Music credits go to Anusha Kamesh. You can find her on SoundCloud under her name or YouTube under AK Music. We hope you found today's episode useful and accessible. As always, it's great having you here. Until next time.